0: Okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt and now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. I told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again and I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bolin Brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you, it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company. First of all, they're made with the rarest 100% Organicon and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantees, So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California king, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have a waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolan Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply, seaside for details. Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Iz. Hi, Em. I want you to know that I waited 10 minutes before we started recording to watch the first seven minutes of the Salt Lake City episode that was released. Holy shit.
1: First of all, major kudos for your willpower because based on the way that I reacted after watching the screener, I can't believe you waited this long but i'm so glad you did because there's physically no way we could have avoided the conversation if you had watched it and waited to record. so i am just thrilled that you're here. i'm thrilled that everyone if they want to can see what i saw and this is going to be like
0: an epic season. guys, holy shit. if you didn't see go to bravotv.com because they basically released like an extended trailer. you just have to put in your email address to get it. i also want to say i know we got the screener but The reason that I couldn't watch it, even though I so badly wanted to, is because I didn't trust ourselves. Like I don't trust me to not freak out about it. So I'm happy that we're recording this, and I don't know what else happened in the other 53 minutes of the episode.
1: Yeah. I mean, the biggest part of it for me was those first five minutes. So I'm glad that everyone saw it. And they stand alone from the episode, sort of. like They're two separate entities in my mind, because it's sort of a pre- tease to what's to come and then we go back a couple of months. But holy fucking shit. What I have to say here is all those times that we said the cameras were rolling. Can you believe the cameras were physically rolling at that moment? Put aside all this Erica stuff. Like none of the cameras were rolling at the real moments. Yeah, we got to see the women reacting to the LA Times article dropping and all that is great. I'm not trying to undermine that. But the fact that we literally get to see Jen get the call, the look in her eyes, her getting off the bus, and she's in this outfit that has become so recognizable to me because I've seen the photos of her leaving the police station so many times, it was literally
0: sent shivers down my spine when she said to Whitney can you turn my mic off I actually thought I was gonna drop dead and you're right that outfit has become synonymous with her arrest it's it's right it is it is recognizable it stands alone it's just crazy and to watch
1: it knowing what's going through her head versus what those women sitting there who are basically clueless were probably thinking in the moment, they have no idea what's going on. We are watching as educated viewers knowing exactly what's going on. And this is only a small piece of it. We're, I think, going to get a lot more footage from that day because the cameras are in her face as this is going down.
0: I want to say one quick thing I know we aren't really going to talk about it because we want to wait until the episode actually premieres. But one thing that I saw in that extended cut that Bravo released When she's talking to Lisa about, you know, her relationship with Sharif, I was really surprised at the way that she presented herself in that confessional because I don't mean to give her too much credit. We saw literally three minutes, but I just have to say in that one clip, she was a little bit more introspective and self-aware than I think I've ever seen her be in last season. I think we're just going to be surprised
1: at every turn. And I love that. I love not being able to predict not only what's going to happen, but how everyone will react, because I love when they go a little bit off-brand and kind of keep us on our toes. God,
0: what a time to be alive, you guys. What a time. I can't wait.
1: Our Sundays are about to be stacked. Stacked.
0: Also, the Winter House trailer premiered. Definitely- not as action-packed, but I can already tell. This is the kind of show that I love. It's an easy watch. You don't have to be super engaged, but you can still appreciate the drama. It's a fun, hot cast. I'm into it already.
1: Yeah, they're all hot. We kind of know most of them. I can't wait to see like Austin and Craig and how they all interact.
0: It's just, it's a dream. But listen, as we talked about last week, they are starting to do more of these crossovers because I think that they realize that the audience responds well to it. And if you think about it, the entire premise of Watch What Happens are crossovers, not even only in the Bravo world. Like that's the beauty of it. They pair the most random people together and just see what happens. It's true. And
1: that's the beauty of it is they already have this amazing
0: talent and people that they know
1: work really well on TV and have big followings and that the audience is already so interested in. And also like, engaged in their story and want to follow along so then putting them in a different setting with other characters who have the same credentials it's like a perfect storm and they don't need to find anybody else it's just keep mixing them up it's like they just need to keep you know shaking it up and they can never hire a new person again and they could have shows until the end of time
0: until the end of time wait can i tell you one complete side note unrelated oh, what do you mean of course. <laughs> I don't know where this was. I cannot even think. It may have been on TikTok, but I was watching something and it was showing the first season that Tinsley was on Housewives of New York. And it was basically just a compilation of all of the housewives at the time in their confessional explaining what they knew Tinsley Mortimer to be. Basically, of course, they've heard the name and kind of how they viewed her. And I have to tell you, When you go back and watch that and just hear the way that they spoke of her with this level of esteem, it is so different than, I think, the way she ended up exiting.
1: It's so crazy to think about. I know. It's crazy how Housewives, the show, can completely change everything about you if you're coming in already as an established person. Like I think any housewife that comes in as something leaves as something else not always for better or for worse just completely different and it's because we're seeing a side of them and they're getting involved in things that we never would have known before like when you're just a known person we don't know that much about you we know what we know but then you come on housewives and it's like okay yeah lisa rinna and eileen Davidson were soap opera actresses yeah garcelle was in some of like the most iconic movies You know, we know them. We know Kyle Richards. She's a child actress. I know those are all Beverly Hills. That's just who I can think of. But Denise Richards, we know things about all these women. But now, post Housewives, our perception of them is completely different, even if they were only on for like a couple of seasons.
0: Oh, beyond so. And you're right. Listen, that's why I always say you really have to go into it knowing that you may come out worse than you went going in. I'm not saying that happened to Tinsley necessarily, but you are making a very conscious decision that you're opening yourself up. So it's just wild.
1: Even David Foster, who's like one of the most successful people in the music industry. The fact that he was on Housewives, and even in his documentary, he said people will say, oh, you're the guy from Real Housewives. He has written some of Celine Dion, Whitney Houston's biggest hits, and that's what people know about him. And also what a lot of people base their opinion around is his short, short time on this show, because we get to see him in his own home and not performing at the Grammys. Like, it's crazy.
0: I mean, let me tell you something. Up until like two years ago, Gigi and Bella were not supermodels to me. They were Yolanda's daughters.
1: Yeah, they were like coming home from volleyball practice and having a beautiful lunch in their Malibu home. You mean like four almonds? <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you're lucky. Okay, are you ready to get into Beverly Hills? I am ready. It was a great episode. We're back at Kathy's. I liked it. This was a kind of a transitional one. So the entire episode wasn't dominated by the Erica Sutton thing. We got to experience other environments. We got a dinner at like ourselves, which I obviously welcomed with open arms. So I thought it was a good balance. It was good. Nothing is going to be last week. And we all needed a little bit of relief. And this
1: just felt like a good beat to be on.
0: At a certain point, it's like you obviously love the intensity, but I don't think that those episodes would stand out as intense if we didn't have. Some of these that were a little calmer.
1: No, I feel like I still have a hangover from last week. And that's why I'm glad they took it easy on us, but it wasn't boring. Right.
0: This thing with Erica and Sutton, you know, no matter whose side you're on, even if you think that Sutton's being a little bit annoying or not fully forthcoming, and maybe if you think that, you know, Erica can be a little harsh, I just think objectively the way that Erica handled herself in this moment was just. Wrong. I know. I agree. Just like her vibe, her tone, the way she's speaking to people, even
1: people who are maybe trying to help her, just everyone in the room, no one is safe. And she's just so angry. And it's a little bit sad and scary to watch her the way that she is being because it doesn't go away. It just keeps
0: getting intensified. Yeah. And it's like, I keep trying to put myself in her shoes. And I think that I would be livid at Sutton as well. Like, Even if you and I can sit here and logically understand where Sutton is coming from, Erica's not operating from a place of logic. She's terrified that everything is being picked up. She doesn't want these women to screw her over more than she's already being screwed over. Like, I get it. I can understand where she's coming from. Emotionally, but the way that she was speaking to Sutton in a way that I can only really equate to a mobster was just not it. Right. With the threatening
1: and just the overall kind of trying to make her scared. That was her goal. It wasn't to get the point across, it wasn't to try and solve anything. It was to shut Sutton down in an unhealthy way and not just in an unhealthy way, but also with a group of women sitting there watching and cameras watching when you're already in a terrible situation. So it was a bad formula. And I'm glad that Sutton got up and left. And I was a little bit nervous that she was going to go back inside. And for the first time I think ever, I really didn't want her to because it felt like it was over. And the only way that things could really die down is if she went home.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I think that in the past I've criticized Sutton for getting up. Not that I in general, don't think that you're allowed to leave if a situation isn't serving you. But I think with her, she sometimes overdoes it. However, I completely agree. This was a situation where like, she clearly felt as though her personal safety was being violated and there was just no reason to stay. Because the other thing is there was no resolve that was going to happen with Erica. And she said it right after Sutton left. She sat at that table and basically said, if you think I'm going to apologize for any single thing I just said or will say, you're dead wrong.
1: Yeah. And Crystal brings that up at the very end of this episode. like Basically, We're all going to have to be okay with you guys just being cordial in the same room, not pretending to be friends, but also not making up. It's just never going to happen based on what both of you had told me. Sutton does do the walk away thing. I mean, we saw her do it later on in the episode with Kyle. I think her immediate is just to walk away from a situation, which in certain cases can be the healthy thing, like you said. I don't think it was maybe right in the Kyle thing, but I do think at the dinner, it was so far from where we started and so much dirtier than it needed to be and going to a place that had nothing to do with the core of the issue that she had to leave. And, you know, Kathy kept saying, let's go into the library. And it's like, we can't figure this out in your library, Kathy. I know it's hard to believe, but we just can't.
0: No, there are some things that just need to happen outside of the Hilton residence. And this was one of them.
1: Yeah, and like poor Patrick has seen enough
0: fucking Patrick. He's seen enough to last him his entire lifetime.
1: He better get a
0: raise after this night. I'm telling you. No, for real. When Garcelle comes back after Sutton leaves and she basically tells Erica, you know, you really freaked her out. This I thought was one of the most raw reactions of Erica's in terms of getting into her mind about what really set her off. And it's the word liar. And I guess what she's saying is like, I'm being called a liar and a thief constantly that I don't need it happening at a dinner party with the women that are supposedly supposed to be my, like, quote, allies.
1: Something about that word, rightfully so, it's not a nice thing, but something about that word really gets to her. Even before all of this stuff with Tom, you flash back to that thing with Teddy that she had a couple of seasons ago, and Teddy basically insinuated that she's a liar. I don't even think she said the word liar. She said, you're twisting the truth or you're, you know, claiming to not remember things. And that hit a nerve so deeply with Erica in a moment where nobody really saw it coming, like the issues weren't that deep. So to know that she already had deep-rooted issues against that word, to now hear it again in the time where it's possible she actually is a liar and that she's hearing it consistently all day, and now she's hearing it like in basically the comfort of her own home or on her own turf, I get it, but she needs to explain that. And she needs to just become... I don't know what the answer is. That's the problem. It's so hard to analyze these situations when we don't know the truth, we don't know both sides, and we don't know what the answer is because there just may not be one.
0: No, but the general answer that anybody can agree on, and like even PK talked about this later on with the social media, which we will obviously get into, is like you take away all of the legalities here for a second because none of us really know what we're talking about. We can think that we know, but we don't technically know. The one thing that we can all agree on is that like, will never serve you to be worse off in the eyes of the Bravo watchers, not anything to do with court, just in your own personal life, like for your own mental sanity, every single week, everybody coming on and saying that your performance was just lacking any sort of kind of compassion. It can't feel good, you know? So it's like, not that I think that she should adjust her performance to please the audience. That's not what I'm saying. However, it's just surprising to me that somebody who's already in this position would operate with not even an ounce of softness. It's like she can't access it because it doesn't exist. Rewinding for a second, if you do want people
1: who actually know what they're talking about, there's a podcast called The Bravo Docket and it's by two practicing attorneys and they look at everything from a really legal lens, which is probably the opposite of what we do. So I recommend that. But you're right. And if Erica was smart and if Erica was, I don't know, maybe more moral, her North Star in all of this should be the victims. And the fact that Dorit and Sutton keep bringing it up because at the end of the day, that is like the bottom line is the victims that were affected by this. That needs to be Erica's mindset here. It needs to always come back to that. And it needs to always feel like her empathy and her pain is coming from Of course, her own personal struggles, but what happened to the victims of the crime? Because at the end of the day, like, that is it. That is the period at the end of the sentence. And if she used that as a way to guide her and felt really bad about that and used that to kind of guide her decisions, people might perceive her differently and she would come across completely differently. It just seems like that is overlooked in every single thing she says and every decision she makes, which, of
0: course leaves a terrible taste in everybody's mouth. Yeah, it's just abnormal to me that the only time the conversation of victims in general is brought up is when it's done so by another woman. Again, I don't expect that to be her sole focus here because this show is about her life. It's just, if I'm thinking completely strategically, forgetting about, evaluating her morality if i'm thinking about trying to put myself in her shoes from a strategy perspective maybe i'd like mention the word victims every once in a while just to seem like i care you know like i know it's hard for you or i to kind of put ourselves there because i have to imagine in that situation god forbid that's actually where our mind would be but if it's not you think she'd fake it a little i don't know i mean maybe that's hypocritical to say because we don't want these people to fake it it just I kind of can't believe it. Right. Like we don't want them to fake it, but also
1: if you're thinking, okay, what's going on behind the scenes with publicity and her lawyers, you'd think they'd add that like to the pie chart. I'm not saying that her whole story needs to become about the victims. That's just unrealistic because at the same time, her life that she's had for the past two decades is being ripped out from under her, not by her choice pretty much. So I get it. There's a lot of changes. There's a lot of lies. There's cheating. There's the press. There's so many things that go into it. But if this was a pie chart, the sympathy for the victims could stand to be a little bigger.
0: Yeah. No. No. That percentage is like fucking below the ground.
1: It can't be a sliver.
0: No. Right now we are in the negatives. We need to at least get you know above the ten percent mark.
1: Yeah. Like I, it needs its own color on the color coded section.
0: One thing that I wanted to say. You know how in the end of this episode when was talking about the word liar being triggered for her and Kathy said something kind of like, you know, liar, thief, she's listing other words that could have that same impact. Yeah. Okay. Last week after the episode aired and after our podcast came out, Faces by Bravo posted a clip from last week's episode that I think all of us kind of glanced over Where Kathy in the midst of the fight is saying, put yourself in Sutton's shoes. And it wasn't really clear if she was saying Sutton's or someone's. And so Faces by Bravo DM'd her and she confirmed that she was saying Sutton's. So the reason I say that is I know this was spread over the course of two episodes, but to me, that was like a check in the box for Kathy being a little bit more neutral because 10 minutes earlier, she's saying, put yourself in Sutton's shoes, it's not an easy spot to be in. And then later, she's understanding to Erica why the word liar could be triggering. So in terms of Kathy's stance on that, I appreciate she's coming from a relatively, I don't know if I wanna say neutral place, but she's coming from a relatively unbiased place. Yes, to everything you said, but I
1: also sort of have a hot take, which is that I still think she was saying someone's shoes. Like, I love her, but after just watching A, the way she uses social media, B, the way she kind of communicates, and C, just now feeling like I know her. There's a lot of things that have to go on between what she actually said, watching the clip, seeing it opening the inbox, and also deciding what she's going to answer that could be lost in translation, not on purpose or anything like that, but just Asking, oh, did you say Sutton's or someone's? Like, I just think it's possible she still said, you know, you have to walk in someone else's shoes. I really do. I think it's a good answer. And I also think it's more indicative to where she stands now in the present moment than what she was actually saying at that dinner table. But I guess we'll see. They're filming the reunion when you guys are listening to this today, Friday. See,
0: that's the thing. Regardless of what she actually said in the moment, it is very telling of where she stands now. And there's just no way that after all this stuff is coming out that Kathy Hilton is still taking the side of Erica. I just don't see it. Not that I think she's a huge Sutton fan. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that she appreciates a lot of the way that Sutton operates, but I just don't foresee Kathy getting herself in the mix of all this stuff.
1: She said something like, yes, Sutton's a a good old friend of mine, something ambiguous sort of like that. I'll put the link in the description, but it is a a good detail to have noticed though, because I remember hearing her say that in the moment and I was like, Oh good. Kathy's, you know, throwing herself in the mix up until this point, she was like in another world eating caviar pie. So I noticed the comment, but I did never thought she said Sutton's.
0: Rena at Garcelle's. Let's talk about it. Okay.
1: Let's talk about it.
0: This is just like kind of an unfortunate scene. I hate when we take two steps backwards. It's so frustrating. And it happened later on with Kyle and Garcelle as well. Okay. Here's the thing. If you go back to the beginning of this season, the one thing with Ren and Garcelle is that they were both honest in basically saying like, this is going to take some healing. It wasn't like, okay, we're totally good now. Whereas I'm comparing it to Kyle and Garcelle. It did seem like after that lunch, they were really starting kind of on a fresh foot. Whereas like, they're on a mutual understanding that things aren't totally smooth, but God, they are not on the same page. It just sucks. Yeah. I
1: thought maybe we were taking a little bit having more forward movement in the relationship, which I did feel with Kyle and Garcelle. And I still think we are in a better place than we were maybe in the beginning of the season, but I don't know. Maybe they just don't get each other. Although at the end of this conversation, I do think that they are similar in the way that now that they've talked things out, they are able to be honest with each other and say, okay, great. My feelings aren't hurt. Like I'm glad we put that out there, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. And to, Keep one upping each other when when Rinna's saying like you know I feel like you're nitpicking me and then she says fine then I'm gonna have to nitpick you like it's very tip for tat and to bring up things just for the sake of matching her was like okay now this is really never gonna happen
0: I mean in general I know this is like not a popular opinion but I can't lie generally speaking not in this scene I like Rinna I can't help it I just like her presence on the screen that being said the sauce thing was just. Unnecessary. Even Eileen Davidson, who's one of her close friends, sat and watched what happens live. Like that was not equal, you know. Even if she was genuinely a little bit upset by that, and yeah, could Garcelle have texted her after? Yeah, she could have. But what Garcelle was saying was kind of like, I feel as though I'm an outsider within this group, and Lisa's like, I'm so sorry you feel that way. By the way, where is my text about the sauce? Like the two just weren't really equal.
1: Yeah, she was really grasping for straws there. Like there was no argument. I feel like she just wanted to have something to retaliate with. Whereas. Garcelle's was an actual concern, whether or not Lisa agreed with her. It was a valid thing to bring up. And I think Lisa should have felt okay, Garcelle feels comfortable enough with me to share that kind of thought and to really get it on the table one week or the same week that it happened, not to hold it in and to say, this is how I'm feeling. I wanted you to know. Let's talk about it and not take it as an attack, which I don't think Garcelle meant it to be. I think she was just saying, this is how I'm feeling. And by the way, it was a very vulnerable thing to say. I feel like I'm an outsider and that the four of you, five of you have each other's backs and I feel excluded from that. And I want to talk about why. It didn't need to come back to the sauce and the birthday cake. Again, I love Rinna too. I just can't help it. She's very happy that Amelia and Scott broke up. So I don't think maybe she would bring up the sauce this week, but it just was unnecessary. And I think, honestly, I think Rinna will agree with that. I'm sure she'll say that was fucking
0: petty of me. Oh, totally. I have two things, though, to say on Garcelle's point, because I feel like in general, if she feels that way, obviously, like beyond valid. My one response about the Palm Springs thing is that, in my opinion, like as the viewer, I don't think that the way that that was handled was necessarily the best example to prove her point, just because in the moment, like everybody kind of panicked, you know? Erica was basically like hyperventilating. And so Rinna was literally holding her. And as we talked about when Erica went up to leave, they all kind of followed her out, not in a way to, leave Garcelle, that was just the thing to do, was Kyle's house. So I can completely understand where Garcelle is coming from. In my opinion, Palm Springs wasn't the best indicator of that. But that's just like my opinion. It doesn't have anything to do with her feelings.
1: When you break down Palm Springs, it really was like every woman for themselves, because Rena has her own thing with Erica and wants to protect her and wants to comfort her and really wants to be there for her. We talked about this. It was Kyle's house. It would have been awkward if she didn't walk her out. Dorit was having some weird thing and kept bringing up like, why would you say it if Erica asked you not to? And every minute they were like, Dorit, she never asked her to. Like They weren't all in a group in the corner like talking about it and ganging up or trying to make anyone feel excluded. It just sort of happened that way, which is a shitty excuse. And if you're sitting there as Garcelle in a really vulnerable moment, you're not thinking like that. But it also just happens to come from history. They've known each other longer. They've been through this before. They have, you know, sort of relationships within each other. And Garcelle and Sutton are also very close. You know, like Crystal and Kathy are also very close. Things like that
0: sort of happen. Well, I have a question that I wanted to ask your opinion on. I obviously what you guys thought as well. When Garcelle's saying this to Rina, which again I think was a very valid point, she says, "I feel like you know me, Crystal, and Sutton are kind of on the outskirts." And what's interesting is I wonder if Crystal would say that because I got the sense, especially later on, that Crystal doesn't really feel that way because I think if anything, she feels closer to Erica than she does to Sutton. Like I just think that she generally doesn't really like Sutton. And if anything, we see her bonding more one-on-one with Erica, which by association would make her more part of the Kyle-Lisa crew. So I'm curious if that's Garcelle's interpretation of it, or if Crystal would say the same thing.
1: Yeah, I'm interested too, because maybe if she feels like she's more somewhere in the middle, would she be able to agree with Garcelle? You're right. Think about the first couple of episodes. like It was Sutton versus crystal so now for it to feel like oh they're like in the same side of the fence you know things change really quickly and that just proves how quickly things can change and how often they're shifting like that so maybe temporarily in the moment or maybe in that small vacuum of palm springs garcelle felt that way but who knows next week
0: it could be different yeah i mean crystal and Sutton, just the way that they communicate is so polar opposite i can't even really say anything to explain it well.
1: Literally like everything about their communication style, their style overall, but really how they communicate is opposite ends of the spectrum. And sometimes that can work and sometimes it doesn't.
0: I came to the realization recently that I was just like desperately in need of a closet clean out because You know, when you're getting ready and you just can't find anything, you have so many things that you don't even wear that you can't find the stuff that you do wear. And it's just like a chaotic and unenjoyable process. That was me. I'm still, to be honest with you, in the process of cleaning out. But one of the biggest game changers for me in this process has been finding just like high quality essentials that I can mix and match with anything so that I can have less things, but the things that I have, I can wear with a lot. And I've told you guys about them before, but I think that Quince is one of the best at this in terms of just finding the high quality, affordable pieces. And they have a lot of really great sweaters. I love their Mongolian cashmere oversized boyfriend cardigans. I just find them to be so comfortable. I have them in a bunch of colors. They also have washable silk tops, which are amazing, like really easy, comfortable, high quality throw-ons that you can wear for so many different occasions. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So. The way that it works is by partnering directly with top factories. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes that savings on to us, which is kind of like best case scenario for all involved. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. I really want to talk about Kyle and son at the auction house. It's one of my favorite scenes of the episode.
1: Holy shit. I don't know what I loved more, like the drama in the episode or the fucking antiques. You know I'm a sucker for an auction house like that.
0: Yeah. And also I love when both parties that are going there, I'm not saying that they have the same amount of money, who knows, but they both have the same willingness to spend and it just makes it significantly more fun.
1: That's like the ultimate rich lady Beverly Hills like old money activity that you could do i think
0: yeah you're going to the auction house before the stuff even hits the market that that's like unheard of to shop
1: for like antiques
0: and rothschilds plateware come on bronze horses this was peak beverly hills when they both run over to the rothschild plates and Kyle picks it up and she's like I mean listen it's probably a sign that is my niece's family. <laughs> yeah like oh of course it is. Like of course it is. Yeah. Okay in terms of this actual conversation what did you think about it because for me I guess the overarching statement I want to say is I genuinely believe that they are friends and even though Sun kind of lost it on Kyle for a second I think that she genuinely does care for Kyle like you have to remember they also had the whole her renting Kyle's house thing. They have another relationship. It's not just this. And so I definitely don't think she was pleased with her based on the way that Erica went. However, to me, it didn't feel like you know two friends that had this tense meetup after an issue. I felt like these are two friends that are both committed to actually solving it.
1: Right. That's, I think, what is missing from Sutton and Erica's argument is the actual wanting and caring about a friendship. They don't really care about mending it because there was nothing there to begin with. And neither of them care to, you have to have an end goal to want to work through it and be passionate about it. And I think that's there. Not that their arguments are at all similar, but I could tell Sutton loves Kyle and values her friendship and she just doesn't want to be fighting, but she feels like they need to be you can't expect that it's going to be verbatim what she said to you at her house. That's just unrealistic. And also her feelings can change. But the overall gist of it, she wasn't being phony. She wasn't hiding it. And she asked some pressing questions.
0: And to me, that seems like it should have been enough. This was honestly a scene though, like this particular one, where I very much saw where both people were coming from. Like it, I wasn't watching it and being like, no, she is so right. I got it. I, I really understood both of their frustration. And you know, let's also be honest about this. Like Kyle has been there since the beginning and I'm not saying she plays a producer role, but she has just by nature of being on for so many seasons, a little bit of a producer mind. So yeah, if the cameras weren't there, would she be urging Sutton to be as honest as she was in that moment? Maybe not. It's kind of, to me, just like part of how the show goes at this point, you know?
1: It has to be. And I also think she knows in her head, they're going to play that scene of them together at her house. And in her mind, the vibes were so different. Maybe they were not in, a- in actuality, but the way she remembered it was that Sutton came in really hot when she was explaining to her house and then kind of was so soft about it at Kathy's house. I didn't see it that way. I think they were equal enough. But in her mind, if that's what she felt and she was picturing... Let's look at these scenes side by side. I have to be the one to say, hold on, that's not what you said to me the other day or else it's on my shoulders.
0: Right, and we'll get into this more when we're at Garcelle's house and they kind of joke about it, but I really want to talk about Dorit and PK, which is not a sentence I necessarily was anticipating saying.
1: I think last night was probably the best night of PK's life. Did I not text you in the middle? I was like, PK, Hive, rise up. (laughs) Literally, Twitter was cheering for PK. He was the star of the episode. And I feel like he's probably gotten mixed to feedback through the years. But last night, I'm sure he is printing those tweets
0: and wallpapering a room with that. Well, when he said the line, and I quote, I've never seen a worse response to what's going on. And he was talking really solely just in her social media. That was exactly the sentiment that we have all been echoing. Yes. Everything he
1: said, because he really wasn't holding back and was just telling to read how she feels. And almost in a way as if he's so not involved where he does have some relationship with Erica. They did get off to a very bumpy start when they first met with the whole panty gate thing, which we can't forget in all of this. But he was coming from somewhere where he just gave no fucks. And he was just being as straight up as I think we've heard anyone be in a long time on the show. And it was really refreshing to just hear someone be like, What the fuck is she posting? Not trying to tiptoe around it. And is she kidding? This is so inappropriate.
0: To be honest, I really do think that he was just saying the thoughts that were coming to his mind. And he said, fuck it, I'm going to have a blunt conversation. Although I do wonder if any part of his mind also was thinking a little bit more strategically of like, I know that being this voice of reason is going to be a good look. you know, Kind of like wanting to infuse that into Dorit's storyline. I don't know how accurate that is, but I was kind of wondering that.
1: I'm sure it's in the back of his mind that they do care a lot about their image and how they kind of come across in the show and the storyline and all of that. But in reality, I think what he said was pretty much everyone else's sentiment who was watching this from afar. And mimicked really what we were saying and what everyone else around the world was saying when they were seeing these posts come up in real time while also simultaneously reading things like this LA Times article.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that Mauricio, for example, or Harry Hamlin, well, definitely not Harry, would have had that same reaction on camera. I actually don't think any of the other husbands would have.
1: No. PK's like a little messy and loves the drama. He was the perfect person to have this conversation. And it was crazily refreshing. And I don't know. It was also funny that they never say that it was Fenty. I think they just don't want to get it involved. And honestly,
0: better off for Rihanna. I was about to say amazing news for Rihanna.
1: It's so sad because when she put Erica in the actual Fenty fashion show last year and made her an ambassador, I was like, oh my God, this is like prime peak Rihanna as a Housewives fan. Like She so gets it. And it sucks that it was Erica of all people that she had to pick. She, of course, had no idea and it was just an iconic thing to do at the time. But now I'm so mad that it kind of soured it. And I hope, like, I hope she put someone else, another amazing housewife in it this year. That would be my dream.
0: Can I say something which I don't think is going to happen? But Ashley from Potomac, Ashley Darby, did her first TikTok recently and it came up on my For You page. And she just had so much like sex appeal and rhythm. And I, for a split second, thought to myself, like, I wonder if she would bring this more in. I didn't think, obviously, Savage X Fenty, but I was just kind of wondering if she would lean into that more. So I always am curious, especially because we know that Rihanna likes Potomac.
1: Oh my God, we could spend all day just picturing who she could add. Like, would it be Dorinda? Would it be Sonia? Would it be Garcelle? Would it be Kathy
0: Hilton? Like, the opportunities are endless here. Garcelle, Garcelle, oh my God. I posted that story on Bravo of saying that that red confessional look is in my top 10 of all time. And the engagement from that story, I feel like everybody just wanted to talk about it. I was just saying, because it was a thought that came to my mind, but the amount of people in our DMs that were in such agreement was so amazing. When the pictures of her filming that first came up, everybody was just freaking out. If you saw her in that confessional and you love it, but you don't know why it looks familiar, it's because Ashley Graham wore it to the Vanity Fair after party a few years ago. Oh, of course she did. Yeah. (laughs) Okay shall we get into Garcelle's dinner? Yes. The way that I felt about this is that it was obviously such a beautiful gesture on Garcelle's part. One, the actual space was beautiful, but also, you know, this was really special to her. She wanted to share her culture with these women. And I felt badly because before they even walked in, you just knew that the awkwardness was naturally going to take away from like the potential magic of the evening.
1: It's so sad because you could feel that everyone wanted to kind of get in, have the dinner and get out. Nothing At all against Garcelle. I think they all wish it could have been a longer, fun evening where they were all getting along. But the minute that dinner was over and they were sitting down and they were all like, I think we're going to go just to get out before things took a turn. And, you know, you don't want that kind of vibe at your party. You want everyone to be enjoying each other and the company and the food. But I think this party went as smoothly as physically possible given the circumstances.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, listen, the opposite of what went down in Kathy Hilden's house is just them straight up ignoring each other. And that's basically what they did. So Kyle was right at the end when they were talking about it. Like it was awkward. It's definitely not a sustainable dynamic, I would say. But I guess if you're choosing, like if you're Garcelle, if you're the host and you're trying to choose, would I rather a blow up or would I rather a little bit more of a standoffish vibe? It's kind of the lesser of two evils, but I don't know. Yeah. But she did a beautiful job, but you could just
1: tell Erica was so fucking uncomfortable, more than Sutton even.
0: Listen, in the moment, Erica wasn't necessarily reprimanded at Kathy Hilton's house. I think, you know, Kyle said something to her and Garcelle said something to her. But I would say generally everybody in the moment was kind of understanding. And I don't think it's far off to think that she hasn't seen most of them since then. And so, in the moment, you're so fed up and you're so heated. And I think it was kind of like, what the fuck just happened there? You know, you walk in and reality hits, and it's almost like embarrassing.
1: That's what I was going to say. I think Erica probably felt a lot of embarrassment for the way that she acted and how things went down at Kathy's and also like for doing that at Kathy's house and during her party.
0: How awkward was it when they were talking about Kyle's Gucci pants? Oh my God. Oh my God. And Erica's like, when? And is like, oh, you weren't there. You weren't invited.
1: It was just like, oh my God. It's just salt in the wound. And like I think Erica knew at first, she was like, oh, wait, when did you wear those? Was I there for that? And then I think it slowly, they were trying to skirt around it. And then they're like, okay, it was at the time you weren't invited to Dorit's house. And everyone's like, well,
0: there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to come out. It was just, listen, the actual dinner was fine. Them sitting in that circle after was, it was just, you could cut the fucking tension with a knife. And I was so thrilled for them to leave even though i felt for garcelle i honestly think and i would love to ask her this like i think she must have preferred that as opposed to just the awkwardness that was building
1: it was like just a sigh of relief like get some of the tension out of here it didn't matter which party left first but someone had to go because them just sitting around staring at each other, at least when the food is coming and they're all sitting at the table, you can sort of avoid it. But when they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs by the fireplace,
0: it's like, okay, you know, someone's got to pull the plug first. You know how sometimes in episodes, like whatever franchise it is, whether they're out to eat at a restaurant or they're having a cooked meal at the house, whether it's the waiter or the chef, When they come in and they kind of interrupt, it can sometimes be amazing and it can sometimes be really annoying. Yeah, of course. The chef here, it was like the biggest blessing in the entire world because it was almost like this performance dinner that allowed, it took away the pressure of the conversation I felt.
1: It gave them almost common ground to like talk about the interesting food and what kind of foods that they like. To just keep it surface level, and by the way, I did love Kyle's Gucci pants. It was worth the conversation, at least.
0: Oh yeah, of course, and I, I also loved that moment. Like as much as I cringed, I'm glad it happened. Yeah, I did too. You know, the one thing here at the end when Kyle is talking about saying things to people's faces, and they kind of go back and forth, and we figure it out. But this is what we were mentioning earlier with the Rena thing when Garcelle comes back at Kyle about you know it's triggering for her because of the not paying for the children's hospital again. Like the most valid thing ever, if that's how she felt. I just was surprised because I really felt that that was so deeply buried.
1: I know. I just think it was probably her only personal experience to bring up in saying, like, it's a little bit hypocritical of Kyle to say, as soon as someone says something, you got to tell them and say it to their face. And I'd rather know what's being said behind my back. And Kyle's excuse is, like, I think valid. It's all very situational. But I don't think that was an indication that Garcelle is actually still upset about it because I think really in their heart of hearts, she's moved on and Kyle has moved on from it and they're in a much better place. I just think it sometimes sucks when you have to dig up
0: old like, wounds to make your point. That's what it was. It was not even that I felt like bad for Kyle. I felt bad for both of them. I felt bad for Garcelle that she had to relive it because I know how painful it was for her. And I felt bad for Kyle that after working through it for a moment, she felt as though she was on the defense. It ended up being fine. It was just like a little bit of an uncomfortable moment. But you know what? Maybe that's a good thing because they got through it. If you can make it through the
1: uncomfortable moments, I think that's a good sign of your relationship.
0: Right. Last thing I want to say here is this is kind of when Crystal is, I don't want to say the voice of reason, but she's like the biggest straight shooter in the entire group and she's basically saying to Kyle like I know that in your dream world they would get along however realistically they're just not going to be friends which in normal times I'm so on her page it's just that again Kyle probably thinking in more of a producer role like how does that work because we can't have more dinners when Erica's on her phone every time Sutton speaks it just it doesn't work for the chemistry of the cast
1: crystal i think everyone still feels a little bit confused as to where she stands in all of this she really is just taking a backseat and sort of observing and watching what's going on. And in this moment, she was sort of like bringing everyone back to reality, but also offering some insight into what she has heard personally from Erica in that don't expect that. I know exactly where her head's at. And you guys are on completely different pages about who owes each other what and also what can be expected of each other.
0: Right. Well, that's the thing. She did have that insight, which when she said it, I think everybody kind of took a step back because they didn't realize that she had that like intimate fitness class with her, whatever she did. So... It wasn't like her just hypothesizing as to what Erica felt. She was like, no, I am telling you, this is verbatim what she said to me.
1: I think it was also an important distinction to make that they're not being phony. It's not because they're not trying to pretend that they're friends. They're just being cordial. And those are two very different things. Because if Sutton came in and was trying to be her friend and say, oh my God, you look so gorgeous and just pretend like they weren't really hating each other at the moment it would be phony. But because they are just acting cordial, not speaking to each other and kind of agreeing to disagree and stay their separate ways, that's maybe better. But they don't need to try and be friends.
0: No, but there's got to be a middle ground because I don't consider what happened at Garcelle's to be cordial. It was like enemy territory. It was, it, was, it was nonverbal enemies is what it was. Cordial is not Erica being on her phone in that way.
1: Cordial is like they say hello they don't sit next to each other. They don't bring anything up and they say goodbye when they leave.
0: When Erica was saying, you know, I'm having more fun scrolling the New York Times, I want to be like, shut the fuck up.
1: Right. I thought she was going to say like reading her own article about herself on the New York Times. I know. Exactly. I was going to be like, well, be careful how far down you're scrolling. You never know what you're going to find. <laughs> Not even that far down. Something about you is going to be on the top. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the one other thing that I know we don't normally talk about, but I guess we should maybe start watching the after shows, I guess if it's on a week that it's worth it. And this week when Sutton and Garcelle were talking about the dinner, Sutton makes a comment and she says, basically, I'm not going to say exactly what it was. However, in addition to Erica threatening me, she whispered something to me that was one of the most horrific things I've ever heard and I'm not going to repeat it. I bet she'll say it at the reunion. Oh. Listen, if she knows what's good for herself, she's saving that up.
1: These after shows are very interesting. I've been watching pieces of them, but they're almost like mini reunions, but it's just two of them speaking at a time. And it's usually two that are getting along in the moment. So it's almost like they're debriefing it afterwards. And they usually add like small tidbits, but it's nothing like a reunion. And they're filming this reunion tomorrow. And Andy posted, did you see him like rewatching the season and he had i could see on his table he had like an article about erica and tom that he was reading i'm sure i can't
0: wait no like we're not ready
1: we're not ready we're gonna get erica sat down and all the questions like are
0: gonna be asked her guys i'm just so grateful that we all have each other for this because we're gonna need to brace ourselves oh it's gonna be so good which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. I know that our journey with Mia, or I guess I should say mine, hasn't been so consistent because I loved her coming in. Then I was kind of questioning what was going on here. I think I was a little bit frustrated with some of the instigation, But the one thing we said from the beginning really has proved itself to be true, which is that she is down to be vulnerable. And this lunch with her mom to film it, I thought was so exemplary of that.
1: Especially because she said she hasn't, I don't think ever had a lunch alone with her. I think it's vulnerable at the very least when housewives let their parents and extended family come on the show. And talk about their issues and their relationships. So then for something like this, that's like a big life moment. I mean, wow, honestly, it just really helps us to understand her on such a deeper level.
0: By the way, like vulnerable of the mom as well.
1: Yeah, I couldn't tell though if like certain things in the conversation would have gone differently if the cameras aren't rolling. I think that's probably true all of the time. So it is a choice that Mia has to make to film it and show people this, which is like, a, I think, relatable and such an honest thing to do. But also, does that steer the direction of the conversation and how comfortable her mom feels on camera?
0: Well, there's a part of me, I know this may seem really counterintuitive. There's a part of me that thinks that for Mia's sake, having the cameras there actually served as a form of emotional safety because potentially it couldn't go as deep as she may have said that she wanted to, but was afraid to. Yeah. That's fair. I don't know. I mean, I'm obviously just hypothesizing, but that was my first thought. Yeah. Okay. Wendy and Eddie, I've been waiting for this conversation. I've been waiting for this one. I have. Earn it up. <laughs> Say what you want about Wendy. Like we have definitely at times called her out on things. I think recently we've definitely been more on her side. I really genuinely could tell when she's talking to Eddie here, it's no bullshit in the sense of, At times you see her putting on kind of a stronger edge because I think that just comes from how pissed she is as Giselle. She was really hurt by this. Like them sitting in that bedroom and her talking to Eddie, you could really feel the pain. Completely.
1: And you could feel that she wasn't viewing this just as, Petty drama. She was personally deeply offended that they would bring this up and come at her in this way and also involve her husband. That's what we have to remember here. The person that she probably loves the most in this world, they've sacrificed so much to be together. They're dragging him into this. It's not just that her feelings are hurt and she's going to him to vent. This is about him. And this is some drama that because she joined the show and is friends with these women. In a way, she might feel like I'm bringing this on to him, and I'm bringing this publicity and putting it on a TV show. Like there's definitely a little bit of guilt associated there, but also just how much it's hurting both of their feelings and perpetuating a rumor that already stings.
0: Honestly, this is something I think about constantly with housewives, not just with their husbands, also, you know, with family members. And they bring on their kids, and then the kids are getting made fun of online or whatever it is. I always wonder. Where the guilt, if it ever does, play into all of this? Because I have to imagine that has to be present on some level. It has to be because I even remember
1: when Teresa and Joe were going through all their shit. Like Joe was saying, if we were never on Housewives, you know, we would never have been caught. It would put a spotlight on us, and then it sent them to jail. And granted, these are like very, very different examples, but it does go to show you, like, there has to be some guilt element when bad things happen or when things are printed and it's exposed in the spotlight or just because they're on the show drama is made up or cultivated because of it, like there's
0: guilt to the towards the family and it sucks. The thing that I would wonder, like if I was trying to look at this a little less emotionally and a little bit more like logically, is they probably weigh it out of like, okay, well what is the benefit versus the cost? Because realistically The exposure, not, I'm not just talking about the salary because she's only a season two housewife. I can't imagine she's making that much comparatively speaking to like Karen or Anini Leakes type salary, Ramona. But, you know, the exposure and the opportunities that you get from being on this type of show, I'm sure if you're looking at your household strictly from a financial perspective, it may be worth it, you know? Like, I don't know. These are all conversations that I have to imagine married couples have.
1: Right. Like someone like Bethany, when her daughter, maybe is struggling with like having paparazzi or her parents' divorce has always been a top headline and probably will be until forever. Does that get outweighed by Bethany saying, well, we're able to live this lifestyle. I sold my liquor brand for $120 million because of this show. So you got to take the good with the bad. I mean, not everyone gets that much of a benefit, but still there's always going to be a give and take.
0: Right. And the other thing that I remind myself is that like, you don't go on a reality show, specifically a Bravo reality show, unless you are on some level fame hungry. It's just a fact. Yes, for sure.
1: Also, this is my like monthly admitting to you that I'm watching a new series, and I started New Jersey from the beginning, and I'm almost done with season two.
0: That's a really good one. Ashley just
1: ripped out Danielle Stubbs' weave.
0: Honest to God, I will never
1: forget that till the day I die. Yep, me either, but... If anyone else is rewatching, let me know. I think I'm going to start posting like my daily or weekly thoughts as I rewatch because it's just too good.
0: They do not make them like Danielle Staub anymore. They don't make any of it like they used to. I'm sorry. It's just, it's gold. It's gold. I appreciate the glam, but there was something about that more, quote, rustic vibe that it really gets you.
1: When you watch early New York and even Beverly Hills, they were always glamorous, but something about New York, they would do their confessionals like in t shirts in their kitchen and it was so good. They also used to do on the spot confessionals. So like they'd be at an event or at a dinner and they would like pull them to the side and get their thoughts. And it was
0: what, how much better could you get than that? Nothing. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry. Built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Okay, so Robin and Giselle are recording this podcast. Realistically, did we learn so much here? No, it was a little bit more of... I guess, a look as to Giselle's thoughts on relationships, which we already knew. But in this one line, when she says, I've learned you stay with that man long enough, he will cheat. I understand she's on a podcast and she's being a little bit performative. However, I think that is a hundred percent representative of her true feelings on relationships. And like I said, last week or a few weeks ago, I think that that is the common thread that just weaves itself through every single projection she makes. And I think it all stems from her fundamentally flawed views of men and relationships. And I say that with no judgment and genuine compassion.
1: Everything that she was saying and all the advice and all these statistics she was reading was all a projection about herself and also just, I guess, trying to make herself feel better and normalize it a little bit. And Robin's like sitting there kind of nodding along. I mean, I think her and Juan have had some cheating in their relationship, but I don't think to the degree and they've worked past it, but she's like nodding along, but in her head, I think she's like, what the fuck is she saying? And this all just sounds like she's talking about Jamal.
0: Right. And she was, but it's like for somebody who asserts themselves in a way where she really, I think, carries herself in certain situations with a lot of self-respect and she really cares that the way she's perceived. It's very sad that when it comes to men, that self-respect is seemingly lowered because from what I learned from this podcast episode is that I think she views that as the norm. You know, I think that she, her standards or her expectations are lower than they should be for like the woman that she is. And you can't make someone see that they have to want to see that. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah.
1: Also, she like, kind of without saying Wendy's name, brought up the whole situation. She said, basically along the lines of, I was checking in on my friend who's dealing with some infidelity and rumors, and my friend took it as me being shady. And she says, I was really just checking if my girlfriend was okay. That's what friendship's about. You got to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. That is the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard in my life like first of all why are you bringing Wendy into this and second of all you're trying to tell me being a good friend and being girlfriends is talking about the good the bad and the ugly you won't even answer what you had for breakfast without getting defensive
0: I was gonna say Giselle get the fuck out of here you know damn well that that is not what you were doing I mean here's the thing it's like just own it if you just owned it we would be so much more in celebration of it. But the backtracking, it's like, how stupid do you think we are?
1: And you won't answer any questions about yourself. Not one single thing do we know about you or can we ever, ever get out of you. But you have no problem asking anyone else every little detail and expecting a response. And if you don't get one, you think there's something going
0: on. Yeah, completely. And I I say all of this and I still like Giselle. I love her, but she
1: just can't go on her podcast and say like, I was just doing the right thing. And if you're not going to answer questions like that's not a good friend.
0: Yeah. I feel like people get mad at us for liking Giselle. I just can't lie and
1: say that I don't. I mean, she's a fucking amazing housewife. We talk about these things like how we think they handle the situations, but it's the best entertainment there is.
0: Yeah, it really is. Okay. I don't, necessarily want to be talking about Michael Darby, but it was a scene and I would quickly like to discuss it more so because I have a little bit of frustration that I think this is a safe place to voice.
1: I mean, no one ever wants to talk about Michael Darby, but
0: here we are. When they are in the car on the way to the doctor and he says to Ashley, and I quote, and you're quickly getting back into shape, which is great for me. And you certainly don't look like you're overweight in any way, shape or form. I find you very attractive. I don't know where to begin. I'm going to tell you right now, again, I will acknowledge that this is maybe a projection. I had a visceral reaction to this because I think I have spent a lot of time in my life thinking about how I ideally want to end up with a partner where the comfort level is just so superior and that I never get the sense that like my outward appearance is the first thing on their mind in a way, especially at a time after I just fucking gave birth to a child. And so this was like my worst nightmare of what I could experience happening in front of me happening from the mouth of a man that we already know is so disgusting.
1: It also just gets worse and worse as he keeps talking. Like first he says, and you're quickly getting back into shape, which on its own, not great. But if they were saying, you know, I'm working out really hard, he could say that fine. But then when they, as soon as he says, which is great for me, I was like, oh, hell fucking no, you are not going there. And then it just gets worse. And saying, you know, you don't look like you're overweight and I find you very attractive. I'm like, this is a joke, right?
0: How is she down for this? It's so upsetting. I think Ashley is great. Like, I genuinely love her. I think she's funny. She has so many great qualities and she's with this asshole that even at times when he's trying to build her up, he can't do so without just sounding like such a raging misogynist. She's such a catch. We always talk about she's,
1: in a weird way, so emotionally intelligent. But then when it comes to her marriage and this whole relationship with Michael, it's like she's a completely different person, and I don't know what it is. I think having the kids has only complicated it more, of course, but it's just, it really fucking sucks because he will never be likable based on what
0: he's done in the past, but he just continues to dig his grave deeper and deeper. No, it's like he looked up, you know, what can I do to make sure the audience never gets on board with me?
1: What have I not done yet that I can add to the list that people will just fucking hate me?
0: Right. Like, let me give her a compliment wrapped in a little bit of body shaming. Just a little? I think it was a lot. And also, by the way, I have to make one comment. When they're at the massage therapist for the baby, like, I don't have kids, but I can imagine that if you do, you want to pretty much interrogate anybody who's putting their hands on them. So I get it. I very much understand wanting to ask that person a million questions. I don't think any level of questioning of somebody that's about to work on your child is too much. That being said, you can ask any question you want and do so in a non-condescending way. So if you're going to ask this woman questions in an almost interrogational style, you then need to give her the chance to respond you can't cut her off mid her talking. It was so, it just pissed me off. It was like when you were in that one meeting and the guy wouldn't let any of the women talk, you know which one I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. It was exactly the feeling that I got there. Exactly.
1: And I almost could feel Ashley be like, just let her fucking talk and answer the questions. And you know, the age old question, what would he have been like if the
0: doctor was a man? I can guarantee you with everything inside of me, it would have been a completely different conversation. And I I do not think that's pulling the card unnecessarily because we've seen the way that he treats men versus women.
1: And I don't even think that he would be asking, what are your credentials in the first place? But if he did, it would probably be in a different
0: way. Yeah, he's a fucking asshole. My mind's not changing on that one, by the way. Never. <laughs> when mia points out that they're basically in a warehouse (laughs) wait
1: yeah like that was she's like okay the inside is definitely nice
0: (laughs) she said what i was thinking to be honest everything
1: karen does just has to have something a little bit off and that's what we love about her we love it i love it that's what makes her her and you just
0: have to laugh sometimes let us not forget the wig party at the strip mall similar vibe she is too much. Before Robin's birthday dinner, I just quickly want to talk about this Candace and Chris argument. Yes. What are your feelings and thoughts on all of this? Because I always like—I guess my overarching thought is that anytime a couple wants to be super open in like their real fight, I appreciate it. That being said, I found myself getting a little bit uncomfortable because I could tell there was like genuine upset on both sides.
1: I feel like it always gets messy when they get involved in each other's business, but someone is like the star of the show. It's never a good formula as smart as it feels in the beginning. I just really like them together. And I think that they are actually good communicators, although it doesn't sometimes seem like it. But you're right. like They have the conversations. It's not... Being built up. Like they sit down and they talk about shit. And this is only what we're seeing on camera. So I'm sure there's even more going on. I don't really know. Like I just think it felt pretty normal, don't you?
0: Yeah, no, it felt normal. I mean, couples fight, obviously. It's just that I could tell that they both, specifically Candace, she wanted to be open about it, but you could also tell she was not necessarily happy that this was happening on camera.
1: Yeah. I think also, again, like I said, because she probably feels like a little bit guilty. Like this is. Her career, does she feel like she's outshining him and not letting him do his thing? And also, maybe his thing is taking up too much time. Like, I don't know. There's definitely like a power struggle going on because it complicates things when you are sort of the boss.
0: It's the kind of thing, though, where how can you know how it's going to go until you actually jump into it? You know, you can have it on paper one way, but I think they're just actively figuring it out. Right. I think they're just in the
1: beginning stages and that they will figure it out.
0: Yeah. Okay, at Robin's birthday dinner, let's just get right to it. The real thing is this Ashley Candace situation.
1: They fucking hate each other. And that's a hit. Like, we keep saying it. And okay, you know, who we were saying Sutton and Erica weren't cordial. I think Candace and Ashley have done a good job so far, up until this point, and a few other like moments that they've slipped up of being cordial. Like, They go, they laugh at jokes if they think they're funny. You know, they don't purposely ignore each other. They say hello, but they're not necessarily having a sleepover and hanging out one on one and sharing their deepest, darkest
0: secrets all night. Here's the thing though. We have said up until this point in the season that, you know, last season we weren't huge fans of Candace and she seemed to really redeem herself, especially she's bringing in her confessionals and she's kind of somehow stayed away from most of the drama. And here, it was obviously wrapped up just in her dislike towards Ashley, but she kind of, you know, was a little bit distasteful in some of the ways that she was talking. She commented on her looks and on her weight, which we never have patience for. But I saw a tweet or a comment or something that was like, listen, the way Candace handled that was disgusting hundred percent. But why do we give, for example, Karen a pass when she says something about Giselle's looks in her confessional? Like why is it that Candace, when it comes to Ashley gets hit harder? And I don't know the answer to that. And I, I just want to throw that out there because that's true i hated the way she said that i would say this about anybody i do think though other people have said things in their confessional maybe it's because it's not in the moment right
1: like she's not saying it to her face i don't know it's so hard to say
0: because comparing all of their
1: like shady digs is impossible i just think again there's so much deep-rooted dislike between the two of them that as soon as like the, a match is lit, it completely explodes because the gasoline has been there. Like they just don't like each other. And the minute it comes down to it, everything sort of unravels. And all these years, especially the past year, of pent up frustration
0: just come tearing out of them. It just every time somebody does what Candace did, I am pissed off on their behalf because it's like your entire argument after is now invalid. Was that one comment worth it? And I don't think it was because now I don't want to say you've invalidated the rest of your argument, but you just screwed yourself kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens next week. This was a good episode. Nothing crazy, but it was good to move the storyline along. It was interesting also that Ashley was saying like, I'll
1: admit when I stir the pot, but this just wasn't it. Like, that's really what set Candace off, I
0: think. You mean Ashley not being willing to acknowledge that she was, like, instigating?
1: Yeah, and I think Ashley saying, like, you know, I know I'm a pot stirrer, but this wasn't a pot stirring moment was a good argument to say, because if she said, no, I never would stir the pot, no one would believe it, but... That's what Candace is like, wait a minute, how do you not see that you literally came in, dropped a bomb and left?
0: Which she did. I mean, that is what she did.
1: Yeah. But the fact that she doesn't think she did that and is still trying to make it seem like she's just trying to protect Wendy is like, okay, come on.
0: It's a similar frustration to the Giselle frustration. Yeah. Then again, it's not necessarily Candace's battle, but none of these are anybody's battles because they all just fight each other's in every franchise.
1: Yeah. And she's just mad that Ashley ruined her trip and she fucking hates her. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And
0: that's it. And that's
1: what you missed on Glee. <laughs> and that's all for today, folks. Anything else that you would like to mention?
0: <sighs> I think that's it. I got to go back to watching Jersey. I think so, too. We love you guys so much. We'll see you next week. And Julie and I will see you on Tuesday, not Monday, because we're going to record Monday night after the Met Gala. And you know what next week's going to be? Oh, my God. Salt Lake City. Well, now I'm safe. Now I can watch this fucking screener. Yep. As soon as they hang up, you can go watch it because... Ah, okay. I can't so good wait. I cannot wait love you guys so much thank you for letting us do this I'll say that every time